0: Morning. Good morning. All right. Good to see you. Thanks for coming out. It's cold weather. Thanks for being here. We appreciate that. Welcome to River Glen. And uh, before we dive into this work series. Uh, a couple quick items. Next weekend, we're starting a new series. We're really excited about. It's called "Finding Your Way Back to God," and uh, we think this is going to be one of the most impactful series that we have ever done. It's based on this book, "Finding Your Way Back to God," uh, by Dave and, and John uh, Ferguson. Uh, great guys and a great book. And you can pick up a copy on your way out. We've got them on the tables. They're available. They're 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 ten dollars. And there's also an individual study guide for uh, personal use, small group use. And we encourage you to pick, uh, this one's just $5. We encourage you to pick these up and uh, you, can, you can pay for them at the, at the resource center. And if you can't afford it, just take it as our gift. We just think this is gonna be a powerful series and we want you to be able to fully uh, participate. Let me go ahead and tell you about another series that's coming up a little further down the road uh, after Easter in April. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. We're gonna do a series where we answer questions that you guys uh, submit. So we need your help. It's called You Asked For It. And you can submit a question. You can go to our website right now on your smartphone. There's a box that looks like this. Click on there. And any question, maybe about the Bible or about life, if you could ask God any question, you know, what would it be? Write it down, you know, submit it to us, and uh, we'll answer some of them in that uh, series. All right, today we're uh, concluding this series called uh, Do Work. We've been talking about, you know, taking our faith into the workplace and what does that look like? Because for many of us, you know, if we're honest, we dread our job. We're not excited about it. According to research, about 80% of us feel dissatisfied with our job. And so we've talked about some common emotions, three common emotions that we, that we tend to feel. One of those is fear. You know, we're afraid of losing our job. We're afraid we're not going to find another job. And then there's also frustration, you know, where we feel trapped where we feel like we, we just don't like it. It bothers us. We're, we're, uh, we're afraid to lose it, but we're frustrated to keep it. And then the third emotion is trapped. There's no advancement. There's nothing else that we can do. We're in the penalty box until retirement. And so what do we do about this? Two weeks ago, we began taking a look at what the scriptures have to say about this. And maybe you're somebody that doesn't really value the scriptures or read the scriptures, but you would take advice on work, right? And the Bible has a lot to say about this. In week number one, we talked about who do we really work for? And we said, if you follow Jesus, your boss is God. You know, God is your boss more than the person, you know, down the hall that's, or, or a corporate that signs, your, that signs your checks. And then last week, Brandon talked about some very helpful strategies for dealing with all the stress that we encounter at work. And today we're going to talk about what does it mean uh, to be a good employee. Now to help us get into this, I want you to think about a question, okay? And you got asked this a lot, I'm sure, when you were little, when you were a child, but as you grow up, as you get older, people stop asking you this question. Here it is. What do you want to be when you grow up? You know, all of us had dreams as a kid. What were your career dreams? What did you want to do when you grew up? Now for me, after I got past my dream of uh, replacing Spider-Man, as I got a little older, I I wanted to play uh, baseball. Yeah, I loved playing baseball in the playground when I was a kid. I played uh, summer league, little league every, every summer with other kids. And I had this dream of, of, of growing up and playing for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, and uh, I thought this is a fantastic goal, you know. This is what God wants me to do. But uh, God must have had other plans because apparently I wasn't good enough. Yeah. And uh, I did play some college I did play some uh, baseball at a small Christian college in, in Lincoln, Illinois. I use that term play uh, generously. I wore a uniform, you know, handed out water, you know, to guys when they came off the field into the dugout, but I was there, you know, and I had and I had fun. And and uh, you know, at some point you realize, you know, your dream it's not going to become a reality, and maybe that happened uh, to you. You know, you had this dream of what you wanted to do, and, and now you don't do that, and it makes you feel kind of frustrated. It reminds me of this commercial. Maybe some of you saw this. It came out a few years ago, this commercial by Monster.com, where they show kids talking about career dreams that, you know, aren't always our dreams. Take a look, and maybe you'll remember. When I grow up, I own a file all day. I want to climb my way up to middle management. Be replaced on a whim. I want to have a brown nose. I want to be a yes man. Yes woman. Yes sir. Coming, sir. Anything for a raise, sir. When I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be underappreciated. Be paid less for doing the same job. I thought that was so fitting. You know, maybe some of you feel that way. You, know, you go to work every day and you think to yourself, you know, this is not what I intended, this is not what I dreamed about, and you live with this gap between what you thought you, know, you would do and what, in fact, you actually are doing. Now, as best I can tell, I think you've got three options for dealing with that gap. And here's the first option. You can just stop dreaming, okay? You can just look at work as the penalty box between weekends and you can just put your head down and you can work hard, you know, and make money and and pay your bills. You can stop dreaming. Or option number two, you can keep dreaming and just complain every day. And you probably know how this looks. You know, after work, you go home and, uh, you know, your spouse or, or, or friend maybe asks you, how was your work? And you just unload. Or maybe you go, at, go someplace after work and a friend or, or, or someone asks you, how's your job going? And you just unload on them. You keep dreaming, but you complain about it every day. And here's what it does. It makes you angry. You become this bitter person and you're not as good of an employee. So option one, you can stop dreaming. Option number two, you you keep dreaming, but you complain about it. And then option three, which is what I want to talk with you about today, because you can find great hope in your current situation if you will shift your perspective from asking, you know, what do I want to do, to asking God, who are you leading me to become and if you will align yourself with your, your life and, and, and your work with who God is leading you to become, you're going to discover that God has got some greater dreams for your life than you ever imagined. And that's option uh, number three. Now, to help us get there, we're going to talk about what I think may be the greatest career advice that you will ever receive. And this career advice comes from an unlikely source. And I say unlikely because it comes from Jesus. We I think we have this tendency to think of to think of Jesus only as, you know, a religious teacher, son of God, Savior of the of the world. And we don't tend to think of Jesus as someone who is very interested in work or business or vocational leadership. And I think one of the reasons for that is because of these pictures that we have seen of Jesus where he looks kind of weak, you know, he looks kind of fragile, kind of kind of wimpy uh, l- looking. But you know what? I think that is actually far from the truth because Jesus grew up in a carpenter's home and his earthly father, Joseph, taught him That trade, And so Jesus spent his life, you know, working hard, carving things, building things, lifting heavy things, swinging a hammer, which means he not only knew the value of hard work, he knew what good craftsmanship and good work looked like. And I think Jesus developed lots of physical strength. I mean, he lived outside, he walked, you know, everywhere he went. He slept on the ground, he probably used a rock as a pillow. In fact, Jesus endured a beating right before the crucifixion that probably would have killed most people, but he survived, you know, because he didn't look like that. He was someone with lots of physical strength, and so it should come as no surprise that he would have a lot to say about work and business, because that's what he did for the first 30 years of his life. And that's why I think what we're going to read here in in, in a a moment is, is probably the most impactful, helpful career advice that you will ever uh, receive. I mean, if you're, if, if, you're looking, if you're in a position right now and you're looking for advancement, okay, this advice is gonna help you. If you're in a position right now and you're frustrated with your job and you don't know what to do, you don't know where to turn, this advice is gonna encourage you. If you're unemployed or if you feel like you're underemployed, maybe you feel like the, you know, the job you're in is beneath your skill level, you're in the right place today. This advice is gonna help you, because this advice that Jesus gives is gonna help you not just with your career, it's gonna help change who you are as a person. This advice, it comes uh, from a story that Jesus told, and it's found in Luke chapter 16. So if you have a Bible with you and you wanna turn there, it's in Luke chapter 16, or you can just look at the screens. We're gonna put the scriptures up here for you. Now, Jesus would often teach stories that are called parables, and I've taught, you know, many of these, you know, over over the years. I think this is the first time, this is the first time I've taught this one, because this is a head scratcher, okay? Yeah, you're going to see as we get into this, there is a lot going on in this story, but hang with me, because at the end of it, Jesus is going to sum it up and give great advice about the way uh, that we uh, work. Take a look at how Jesus begins. Jesus told this story to his disciples, there was a certain man who had a, a manager Uh, handling his affairs and one day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money and so Jesus says there's this rich man he's got a a manager who handles all his money and there is a problem with the manager. Jesus continues so the employer called him in and said what's this I hear about you get your report in order because you are going to be fired. The manager thought to himself now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. Now, notice this phrase, going to be fired. This is is interesting because it's not, you know, leave immediately, no, no, no. This is clean these things up and then, then exit. And so this guy, he's got a little bit of time before he's gotta leave. And so he begins to think, what am I gonna do next? Take a look at what he comes up with. He says, ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home When I'm fired, and then here's his plan. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, How much do you owe him? And the man replied, I owe him, look at this, 800 gallons of olive oil. Now that's a lot of olive oil, okay? I don't know how much pasta this guy is planning to make here, but that is a lot of olive oil. And so the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 uh, gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. Now, as you, as, you, as you hear this story, okay, there's probably two things in your mind, going on in your mind. Number one is this guy is making deals with these people so that after he gets fired, you know, somebody's gonna hire him, okay? And, and, and may, or maybe take him in after, after he gets fired. They're gonna take care of him. The second thing that you're probably thinking is Jesus is gonna come down on this guy in this story for being dishonest and corrupt uh, uh, regarding his in, in, employer, right? Jesus doesn't do that, okay? Jesus takes a different angle. And this is one of the things I love about the teachings of Jesus is just when you think you've got him figured out and you know what he's gonna say, he surprises you. Jesus begins to uh, comment on the story and look at what he says next. The rich man had to admire this, I love this phrase, the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd, and it's true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of uh, light, and so even though this manager is dishonest, Jesus doesn't come down on him in this story because he's making a bigger point here about this word shrewd, okay? He says this manager is very shrewd. He means the manager is very clever. He's very inventive. And notice Jesus says, there is a shrewdness in some people who, you know, are outside of God's kingdom. Outside of the church that we can actually learn from. You know, sometimes people criticize River Glen. Sometimes people take shots at River Glen because maybe we're we're different from another church. We're different from the church that they uh, grew up uh, attending. You know, we use technology and marketing and demographics and and other things to help us fulfill the mission of Jesus. And sometimes people will say, you don't need to do that. That's, ri- that's ridiculous, you know, those, those are things of the world. But here's the way that we think about it. If you would do those kind of things to sell coffee or shoes or groceries, wouldn't you wanna do everything possible to advance something that is eternal? That's just being shrewd. And Jesus says, take a lesson from this guy. He's being shrewd. And then Jesus says, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. He's talking about using our earnings and resources to benefit other people and also benefit God and 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 ourselves. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you not just to a home on earth, but to an eternal home. And so like I said, there's a lot going on in this story. Jesus is talking about being shrewd. He's talking about using your earnings to help other people and help yourself. But then he wraps it all up. He summarizes it with one statement, with one nugget that I think is some of the greatest career advice that you will ever hear. Here, here's how he concludes the story. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. Now you hear that teaching and maybe you're going, okay, why is that so important? (laughs) Why is that such great advice? Because this advice can make your dream a reality. This advice, this advice can help you become the kind of person that God blesses, and is, is proud of. You see, here, here's what Jesus is saying in this story. There's an owner, right, in the story, and he's, and he's looking over his business to see who he can trust, and maybe some of you are in management, okay? You do the same thing. You're always, you're always looking for who you can trust when you're not around. You're, you're always wondering, you know, who's doing a great job when there's not, you know, a big promotion or raise on the line, or you're not staring at them, because if you can trust them with little things, you can trust them with, with bigger things. And Jesus says, not only is that true about the owner in the story, that is true about God, the owner of it all. This is how God thinks. God looks at you to see, are you faithful in small things so that I can entrust you with more things? See, here's how we tend to think when, when, we're, when we're doing our job. We're over here, you know, working, and we're praying, God, give me more clients, opportunities. And God, give me more business. And God's over here saying, you know, I'm looking to see, you know, what you did with the business I already sent you. And the last clients and the last opportunities that I provided for you. You know, we're over here, you know, praying, God, give me the next big phone call. And God's over here saying, I'm looking to see what you did with the last phone call. We're praying for a larger leadership role in our organization, and God's over here going, I'm looking to see how you deal with the three people who already report to you. See, God watches how you manage your resources, because if you're faithful with little, then he can entrust you with more. Now, that sounds simple, but here's why it's difficult for us, okay? Here's, here's the challenge for you and for, 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 for me. Number one, we tend to fixate on all the things out of our control. Have you noticed this? You know, for example, think about what happens in our country every time the economy downturns and the stock market drops. You know, if you watch the TV shows, what do they do? They bring in financial experts and they ask them questions like, you know, why did this happen? And how long is this gonna continue? And when will it, you know, recover? And these finance experts will give lots of ideas that can really be summed up with one statement, we don't know, (laughs) we're not sure. Because we don't know the future, but that's what we fixate on, isn't that, sometimes. And as much as I like to poke fun at the, you know, the, the experts, the finance experts, I do the same thing. I've got a PhD in anxiety. I mean, my mind just kind of drifts toward all the things that can go wrong. You know, I, I worry about my wife and my kids and their health and their safety. And you know, there's a the bird flu out there and swine flu going on. Out there, and then there's all the other things. You know, did I close the garage door? Right? Did I, did I set the DVR? And uh, you know, why did the Packers lose last night? You know, I got, I got stretched out, stressed out. I don't know about you, I got stressed out, you know, watching the, the game. Uh, I, I mean, if you're like me, and I pity you if you are, but all these things outside of my control, right? And yet that's what I, what I think about, okay? And here's what Jesus says about it He says, You can let yourself get stressed out about things outside of your control but that's not what the shrewd person does the shrewd person doesn't worry about what they don't have in their control the shrewd person says there's only a few things in my control not a lot and the most important thing I can I can do is to be found faithful in the things I can control I mean the manager in the story I mean he didn't have a lot of great qualities did he he was not a, a great example to follow in, 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 in many areas, but he was shrewd because he managed what he could control. And see, so here, here's what you can control. You can control your attitude. You, you control your work ethic. You control how you treat other employees. You control the, the quality of your work, and you control whether you choose to do your work for your company or you choose to do your work For the Lord. And Jesus is a shrewd person, focuses their energy and their attention on these things within our control, and we leave the rest up to the one who controls the future. And then here's the second challenge that we've got to wrap our minds around God's more interested in your character than your career track. God's more interested in your character than your career track. Now, don't misunderstand, I'm not saying God's not interested in your career, okay? Work is a huge part. Of God's plan for your life, but Jesus says that the depth of your character determines the length and the breadth of your career track. And you know, you know, we, you know, this to be true. I mean, we've all heard stories, you've heard stories of people who are just very talented and gifted, and their career falls apart because of a character issue. I mean, just turn on the TV or, you know, look at the tabloids. Or, you know, think about the Ashley uh, Madison scandal to, 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 uh, to see examples. The depth of your character determines the length and the breadth of your career. And, and that's why at River Glen, when we hire someone to join our staff, we look for four qualities that all start with the letter C. We look for calling, you know, do they feel God calling them? Is there a sense of God calling them to this work? We look for chemistry, you know, do they, do they fit? you know, into the way that we do church and are they competent? Are they able to do the job? But most important, and this quality trumps all the others, and that is character. Who are they when nobody is looking? Do we see evidence of the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Character matters most because character is who you are and career is what you do. And what's interesting is that God uses our career to shape our character. He'll use it to kind of smooth off some rough edges and help us to to think and and act differently because he's interested in your character more than just your career. Now, some of you might be thinking, okay, all right, Ben, but, you know, I've been faithful with the little things, you know? why Why haven't I been given more of the big things? And maybe, just maybe, it's because God is not finished working on your character where you are right now. Now, I don't want to minimize the difficulty of your current work situation, but I know this. The degree of the difficulty determines the depth of your character. The degree of the difficulty determines the depth of your character. And I hate to say this because you know we don't like to experience this, but the truth is the harder it is, the better it can be for your character. It's a little bit like going to the gym, you know. I mean, you go to the gym and you know you can walk around and and say hi to people and you know high five people and you know fist bump people and leave, and it really doesn't do any good for you. But when it when you sweat and when it's hurt and, and when it hurts, that's when uh, there are there are gains for you in the long term. And the same thing's true with your character. God may be using uh, career moments. As a character moment in your life to shape you for what He has next in your life, I heard uh, Pastor T. D. Uh, Jakes explain it this way. He said, "You know, your life's like a blank key. You know, it's like a key that that uh, is just a strip of metal and there's no notches in it. And he says every career moment, every character moment is like another notch in that key until finally it's ready to unlock the door." that God has for you, but sometimes it just takes a lot, it takes some time to allow God to shape our character, and that's why I believe this principle has the ability to change, you know, your career, and to change your workplace, and to change who you are as a person. Here's how I would sum it up in one sentence. Think of it this way. Be faithful in the small things, because God is paying attention. And so for those of you that you know feel like you know you gotta watch out for number one, and you know, you've got to make your own luck, and you know, nobody is really watching, and so you need to shine a spotlight on how how great you are. Guess what? God is paying attention. Attention. And and for those of you who maybe feel like you can just phone it in and and you know you can complain and talk uh, negatively and how you deserve more and and it's no big deal, no one, no one will notice. God is paying attention. And when you're faithful in little things, God will God can entrust you with big things. So you don't have to stop dreaming. And you don't have to dream and, and complain. You can find great hope. By being faithful in small things, knowing that God is paying attention to see what He can give you next, I came across an example of this principle, and it has to do with a, a, a restaurant. Maybe, maybe you've eaten at this restaurant. It's called Chick Fil A. Anybody ever eaten at Chick Fil A? You know, restaurant. They got some great uh, chicken uh, sandwiches that are just kind of addictive. My family loves uh, going there. Let me tell you a little bit of the story of Chick Fil A. It was started way back in 1946 by this guy right here, Truett Cathy. Truett Cathy started the first Chick-fil-A restaurant with a business partner in 1946. And they opened a small restaurant. It did, it did good for a few years until tragically his business partner died. And suddenly all the obligation, all the pressures were on Truett. And uh, But instead of worrying, Truett practiced this principle of focusing on things within his control, being found faithful in small things and just leaving the future up to God and that's what he did through the 1940s and 1950s and well into the 1960s and then he came up with this idea late in the 1960s to put a Chick-fil-A restaurant in a mall now this was very innovative you know back in the 1960s malls didn't have restaurants and when he approached mall developers they would say to him oh that's a crazy idea People don't wanna eat food at a mall, it's gonna smell up the, the, the mall, and besides, you're closed on Sundays. That's one of the biggest shopping days of, of the week. But he kept trying, until he found a developer who said yes. And in 1967, he opened the first Chick-fil-A restaurant in a mall in Atlanta. And fast forward to today, and Chick-fil-A will do over $3 billion in sales in over fifteen hundred restaurants. But but think about it, from nineteen forty-six to nineteen sixty-seven, you know, hardly anybody knew about Chick-fil-A or Truett Cathy. He just stayed faithful in smaller things for twenty-one years because he thought maybe, just maybe, there's a God in heaven who is paying attention. Now, the point is not for you and I to become true at Kathy or to go out and start a restaurant to, you know, make lots of money. The point is this principle applies to whatever you do. You know, whether it's building a business, staying home as as a parent, teaching kids in a classroom, whatever work you do. Be faithful in small things because God is paying attention to see what he can give you next. And, you know, maybe he'll give you greater business or responsibility, or maybe what he'll give you is greater joy and peace and satisfaction in your work. So be faithful in small things because God's paying attention to see what he can give you next. And so here's what I want to ask you. What are the small things, what are the small things that you need to be faithful in you know, maybe some of you here are unemployed right now. Maybe you're between jobs. Maybe you're looking for a job right now. And, you know, you've got some extra time on, on your hands. And, uh, you know, maybe you could do some volunteer work. There's lots of opportunities. There's lots of needs in our community. Sue explained uh, some of the opportunities and needs right, right around uh, Waukesha here. And uh, uh, maybe by volunteering through Love Waukesha or volunteering in our church, you might position yourself. For something greater, because you're being faithful in small things, and God is paying attention. Or maybe you're, you know, unemployed, and and uh, you know you have a job opportunity, you know, right in front of you. And uh, you know, if you want, you you can go completely negative with it and say, oh, you know, um, that job's beneath me. You know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to hold out for something else. Or you could let it shape your character and be faithful in whatever work that God gives you because he is paying attention. Some of you right now, maybe you feel like you're underemployed. Maybe you feel like you know the job you're in is beneath your ability, your education, your pay grade. It's a career moment that becomes a character moment where you could just phone it in and you know just talk negatively and talk bad about other people. Or you could do your very best knowing that God is paying attention. But maybe for some of you, it's even bigger than that because the issue for you is that you have never decided to do your work for God as your boss. I mean, you're, you, you still view your work as something you're doing for, for, for someone else or, or for yourself, but you, you have the opportunity to do your work for your creator who made you with amazing abilities. And maybe today's the day you decide, I'm ready to work for that boss. I'm ready to do my work for God. And so, I want to lead us in a time of prayer as we wrap up this series and as we wrap up this service. And uh, I want to ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes just so that we think about God. And I want to walk us through some some prayers about work as we close. For those of you right now who are unemployed, I want you to just pray this prayer with me just quietly in your own mind. God, would you show me what I need to be faithful in now as I wait for what you have next? And I wanna trust you. And I wanna work hard. And I wanna be faithful. Some of you right now feel like you are underemployed and there's much more out there for you than what you're doing. Would you just pray this prayer along with me quietly right where you are? God, I feel like there is so much more for me. And sometimes, truthfully, I feel like this work is beneath me. But God, may I work at it as if working for you. May I work hard and honor you. And may I see what you are doing in my character as you prepare me for what's next in my career. Some of you right now, you love your job and you feel very fulfilled, but truthfully, your job has become your God. And maybe right now you need to pray this with me quietly, right where you are. God, I want you to be my boss. I want you to be the most important thing in my life. And I want to honor you by doing the little things. And sometimes that means going home on time and investing in my friends and family the way that you would have me do. Maybe those are the things I should be faithful in right now, knowing that you're paying attention. And for all of us here, God, we thank you for your faithfulness in our life. Though we sometimes feel alone and we feel frustrated and we feel fear and trapped, we want to be people that honor you with every opportunity, every work opportunity that you give us. We want to be faithful. And God, we're thrilled that you are paying attention. And God, thank you for these moments where we can learn from from what Jesus said. And we pray all of this in his name. And uh, all those who agree with the prayer said, amen. All right, everybody have a great week and uh, we'll see you next weekend.